Well, hello and welcome to another Persistent and Nasty podcast. We hope that you've had a great week. Today's episode is with the lovely Callan Crawford of Callan Crawford Casting. Um, Callan had a really sore throat while we were recording it, so you may hear a few coughs. We're also in her office space, so it's slightly echoey and any clanking that you hear is us having a wee cup of tea. If you're enjoying the podcasts, please remember to like and subscribe and leave us a review. We love hearing your feedback. You can follow us on all social media, Twitter at Persistent Nasty, Instagram at Persistent and Nasty, Facebook Persistent and Nasty. We really do love our community that we are building and we are thankful and so grateful for all your support. Anyway, that's enough for me. So sit back, relax and enjoy. So hi everybody and welcome to another Persistent and Nasty podcast. Today we are joined by Callan Crawford of Callan Crawford Casting. That's your official title, right? Yes, it is. Yes. Yes. Correct. Ten points. Ten points. Yes. Um, has really sore throat, a bit of laryngitis going on. So I'm thanking her so much for uh, even just attempting to chat with us today, which is great. I just don't want to cough all over you. That's okay. I get coughed all over It's the joys of teaching small children. Yes, they like to cough true. all over you and everything else. Um, we are also in Callie's office building, so there might be a slight echo, but hopefully you can just ignore it and listen to our fabulous chat. So, Callie, thank you very much. Oh, thanks, Elaine. It's um, just an excuse to see you. I know. It's so nice. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, so the first thing I'm going to ask you um, about being a female casting director. Mm. How long have you been doing it for? Have you ever found it a negative thing? Or do you find it positive being a female in the industry? That's a big question. That is a big question. <laughs> it's quite a difficult question. Um... I think there's a couple of things that I think... So, you asked me how long, didn't you? Yes, I did. We'll I go with that first. I have... <laughs> forgotten already. Um, I have been casting since the year 2000 into 2001. Okay. So, about 18, 19 years. Um, and I think that a lot of casting directors are women. Mm-hmm. I think generally... Uh, we we tend to be women. I think it's quite yeah. Quite, yeah, I, I have quite a few male casting director friends actually, but I do think it's predominantly sort of female led profession. Um, do I think it's has it ever been difficult? I definitely think it has been occasionally, um, but I find it hard to answer that question because I was also very young. So when I started, I was twenty three. Okay. Everybody's talking. I'm now 40. She so, still looks 23, guys. <laughs> I am now 40. Um, so when I started doing it, yeah, I was... Actually, no, I'm sorry. I was um, I was 21. What am I talking about? I am 40. I'm not lying. Um, so I was 21. And then when I... Sorry, when I first cast my first project on my own, I was just 23 into okay. 24. So that's what was stuck in my head there. So because I did it from a young age, I always found that more of a barrier, potentially, than my sex. Mm -hmm. But also, I went to a school that was 
actually kind of a suffrage school it was the, the women from our school had been very involved in the suffrage movement and I think that's sort of passed down mm-hmm. all those years later yeah and so in a way I was educated by my school and by my parents never to be limited by my gender um, yes. and my mum and my grandmother uh, mother and daughter mm-hmm. mum and grandma where are very, very, very forward-thinking women. Mm. What school was it that you went to? I went to a school called Laurel Bank that no longer exists. Oh. It was also single-sex education. Wow. So that's probably why it's quite a female-led environment, because it was all women apart from the physics teacher and the Janny. <laughs> it's always the male Janny. Always the male Janny, the poor Janny. Yeah. The man never got a moment's peace. I remember, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I would love to know if there's any female Jannies out there. Give us yeah, a shout. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it was more your age that you felt I, was about I think so, yeah. yeah that was than your sex. That is something that I very was very conscious of. I was very... Co- when I started casting as well, or in the first five years of my career, Facebook became a thing. Mm-hmm. And so I sort of remember doing limited profiles. And I mean, like, even my yeah. husband, when I married him, a while after we started going out, was going... Um, I don't seem to see anything that you post on Facebook, you know. And I was like, oh, God, you're in a limited profile. <laughs> and the reason for that was because I was battling so hard, already being quite young, mm-hmm. maybe being female, <laughs> already being quite young, and I didn't want people to see behind the curtain too much. So if I went in a bar in Glasgow, when I still lived in Glasgow, and there were maybe like a group of actors there, yeah, I would leave so that they didn't see me drunk. Things like that, I yeah. found it really hard to kind of establish myself as a, as a young professional. That's really fascinating. I would really love to know if, if you're a male young professional, if that's the same for... And I think that's an interesting question. Yeah. I think that is a very interesting question. And I try not to think about these things in, in some ways because I never want to go there in my brain immediately. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because this, well, mm-hmm. it's because that, you know. But I think, yeah, as you distill your experiences... Mm. or maybe you look back on things when you're a bit older you start to think of them differently yeah I mean and as an actor and I think the first time I met you I was probably 22 or something Mm -hmm. so I was probably quite young as well Um, I wouldn't have probably batted an eyelid if I'd seen you drunk on a night out but it's interesting that you kind of go no that needs to be it's like where the line gets drawn I think I found it hard because I'm sure a lot of actors kind of don't want casting directors to see them under the influence so it's even it's a Mm -hmm. similar thing I Mm -hmm. think sometimes friends actors who have become friends and I do notice how our I mean you you develop in all your friendships your barriers come down in all your relationships but I do notice changes and I, I'm aware if I track back how open people are with me later in our friendships. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it was to do with the fact that they didn't want to, like... Yeah, they didn't want to give that impression yeah, of or whatever. Yeah, 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 something. They were just being a little bit kind of protective career-wise. So, yeah, it definitely was something that I thought about quite often. And um, maybe it was because I was a young female. Yeah. So any male listeners out there that are casting directors, let us know if you were young, because we'd love to know if you feel the same way. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you're also a mum. I am. Did gorgeous speak? I don't know. Oh, she's so cute. Um, I don't know if you wanted me to mention her name there, so I was like, I'll oh, just no. stop. And I was no, like, fine. oh. I don't mind. I think it's okay. Her name's Teddy. Okay. I was like, I should have checked that with you I'm beforehand, so but that's all right. Um, how do you find the work? Oh, mum balance 
it has been, there have been different stages to that. I found the first couple of months difficult anyway, mm. because first of all, there are really key thoughts that I remember having, and one of them is, oh my God, will I ever watch Netflix again? <laughs> True story, I did think that, and I remember Stephen and I almost weeping on the couch one night, going, oh we're never going to get peace to it. And this like squalling blob on the floor in front of us, you know, on a sort of sleepy head, some, yep. you know, thing that we were told we had to buy that we wasted our wages on. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yep. I, remember, I remember being very worried about what I had done to my life. <laughs> that passed. Yeah. I think a lot of it's to do with lack of sleep, but I don't think it's just that. I think for both parents, I think for, for the parent who carries the child, so the mother in the relationship who carries the child, mm-hmm. um, I think that it's, um, I think it's chemical, I think it's physiological, I think there's so many things that have happened to your body. It's really, really tough. Mm-hmm. But I also think that for both of you, um, be you both female or, or, or yes. both male, whatever the situation is, um, I think that the changes puts you in a funny headspace. It yeah. really, really does. Going out the door becomes actually quite a frightening thing. Then I went through a stage when I started to get myself around all of that, get my head around all of that, and then because of the nature of being a freelancer, some phone calls came, mm-hmm. and yes, people knew I just had a baby, and yes, people understood in inverted commas, I'm doing those little things in the air, mm-hmm. they understood that I had a young baby. I mean, I'm talking four or five weeks old. They don't wow. really understand. Yeah. So they sort of say, oh, I'm so sorry to disturb you. I know you've got a new baby, but, you know, the great wow. big but. And so... Things were happening. There were things I had to keep on top of. Um, my team are amazing. I mean, they were Caroline and Danny and Ross. And then we have Marianne. And we also now in London have Sally and Eliza. But um, a, but basically, the, the team that I had at that point in Glasgow were incredible. And they kept so many balls in the air. And they did so many things without ever phoning me. But sometimes it happened. Yeah. And sometimes um, they were actually really strict with people. But people would always just phone my mobile. And then I had to go to some meetings and things like that. And that was weird. Mm. That was weird. And actually, I found it very emotionally challenging. And I, sort of my emotions bubbled up to the surface a number of times. Yeah. Very strongly. And one of those, I think the bottom line for me was... I felt I could neither be the best mother nor the best casting director in the situations that I was being put in right, okay. through no one's fault. Yeah. No one's fault. I don't have any fingers to point. I'm really lucky because my husband is an actor and so it meant that because he wasn't working that first few months, very sadly because he lost out in a lead role, which was another another matter, yeah. <laughs> and we, uh, we had that time together. We were able to support each other. I was there if he had auditions. He was there to just lighten the load, which so many new parents don't, don't get. have. Yeah. It yeah. absolutely kept me sane. I don't know what my path would have been had I not had that, mm. you know, because I was fielding some work calls and I was going to the odd meeting um, and even one or two sessions um, that, that had been set up that I wasn't obliged to attend but, but chose to, partly because I, I put that pressure on myself. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a really interesting shift is how much pressure you put on yourself as, as a new parent. Well, so you're, you're really good at your job and you, 
I assume really love your job and it's part of who you are so it's such a big change to let that little bit go when you're if you've already been like running a project and then it's like time to kind of step back a wee bit that must be really hard when it's not in your control for the reason that you're stepping back I went back to work earlier than I planned to and part of the reason for that was there came well there was three things there was a natural shift in a project that we're doing called His Dark Materials. Um, Sorry, can we just pause? <laughs> I am so freaking excited, I can't. Sunday night. I know. I don't worry, I'm, I'm on it. You're on it. You've got it. You've got it booked. You've got the piece <gasps> arranged. I'm so excited. Board. Yeah, sorry, we'll I talk about that. I hope you enjoy it. Um, well, so, I have to say, Ruth Wilson as uh, Mrs Coulter... What an ace, Mrs. Coulter. She's I've ace. I've that seen is, her. She's ace. That is. That's Blaine Caston yeah, right there, Colleen. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's, yeah. she's very cool. Um, so basically, uh, there was a break in his art materials. Episodes one and two were coming to completion. Um, Dan, who is my co-casting director on the show, had uh, he stepped into the breach uh, because the dates moved and, and this was it. And I must also, I really want to mention Bad Wolf, Jane Tranter, who, when they found out, when they got their dates, I had to tell them, I don't mind me to tell you, I'm mm-hmm. five months pregnant. Um, I wasn't employed by them at that point. I wasn't working with them. We were on a break. We were on, on a break. <laughs> And in that break, I uh, got myself pregnant. Um, and so I said that to them. And I was went in for a meeting in person with the exec, Dan McCulloch, who's a friend as well, with Jane Tranter, who owns Bad Wolf and um, is the exec. And the first thing she said to me when I walked in the room was, I need to be really clear with you, you're not losing this job. Which was amazing, mm-hmm. because that was obviously an anxiety for me. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter what's legal and illegal. Mm-hmm. There's an anxiety. So, um, and I'm a freelancer. I don't have that much protection. Yeah. So Dan had stepped into the breach and we sort of, you know, he and I spoke on the phone, but he was really like on it, you know. So there was, we were coming to a break there. One and two were largely done. And it was quite a good time potentially to come back in with so new directors starting. But also Dan's second baby was coming. <laughs> so we had a natural expiry that we felt, I had to work towards. Mm-hmm. However, I also got a phone call from Ken Loach, who gave me my first casting job on my own when I was 23, and I could not let someone else cast his film. Mm-hmm. And it was a really hard decision. Yeah. It was really challenging because it also meant I was coming back to work on his materials and the Ken Loach project. Ken was used to having exclusivity without ever demanding it that's like a very technical term for a a, a, a way of working and a, mm-hmm. an emotional connection yeah. really <laughs> um it was just it was just us you know I'd just be doing that one job but he was like look what do we need to do to make this work with your baby with your other projects he pulled a project called sorry we missed you which is out two days before his dark materials premieres it's out on friday um, which is the 1st of November. Uh, yeah, so that was really tough. Yeah, that's... And I had to sit my husband down and go, I think I need to go back to work sooner than I had planned. And then I sat my five-month-old down and said, I'm going back to work. Yeah. 
She didn't believe that bothered. I'm kind of going to go with she was okay with it. Yeah, she was fine. I, I like to think of myself as a strong role model for Yeah, her. exactly. So exactly. yeah, so that was all. That was a funny period. There were yeah. lots of tears at bedtime. It was a lot, me, not her. There was lots of crying. Yeah. Um, it was so emotional. Like, you're yeah. still only, like, the final past like that's huge thing that's happened to you your body's still trying to come to terms with what it's yeah. done my internal organs were all in the wrong place yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> it's great fun guys mm. yeah. yeah so that was yeah but there were times when I really resented the decision I'd made and there were times it caused fights and arguments mm. mainly with my husband <laughs> And then I really had to start to set parameters in a way I've never done before. Because I always think, as a casting director, you're there to support the project and its ends. You're there to get the project what it needs. Um, and that very often involves hiding that you're working in other jobs and you know making them feel like you're one and only. Mm -hmm. Most producers know that you're working on my It's the only way to work, really, as a casting director. Um, and, uh, but, you know, we try and make that very seamless. We try not to have our availability become a problem for people. What day do you want to do the casting? Of course, we'll be there, no problem, and we juggle everything else around that. But I couldn't fully do that. And I normally go away with Ken to the place that we're filming, and I have an apartment, and I'm local, and I'm in the office all day, you know, half eight in the morning until ten at night, whatever it is needed just wasn't a possibility this time. Mm -hmm. So I had to kind of sit with Ken and go through how we would do it differently. And he was incredibly supportive. So, but it was a big, it was a big change for yeah. me. I had to take my hands off a little bit and and let that other baby do it yeah. without me a bit more than usual. And how did it work? So did you feel it worked okay? I mean, I think when you look at what's on screen, yes. Um, and I think that when you look at how other films are made, it's quite normal. Mm -hmm. But because I always cast everyone on screen, for Ken, everyone, non-speaking, everyone, all the extras, all the supporting artists, the you know, the kind of those people I'm using very general terms, but we don't treat them like that. We know them all by yeah. first name. But the fact is those people that I would have in the background of the pub scene, who are the local the locals who drink in that pub, yeah. that's who gets the work, that's who gets the money, you know. Because we would normally do that. I couldn't do that quite as much. But there was amazing ADs mm -hmm. and they're used to doing that stuff. Mm -hmm. So they just did their thing. Yeah. And I was across it as much as possible. And they were great because they let me dip in and out. Mm -hmm. Didn't complain. Good. That's, that's a good, good support. That's what you need, though, as a yeah. new mum. Well, as a mum. As, yeah. And not as just a parent, like, actually. As a parent, parent. yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And even, not even if you're a parent, if you're caring for an elderly relative or something yeah. in this um, industry, um, or a sibling, or, mm -hmm. like, we, none of us really know what everybody's got going on. Just the general support is... Yeah invaluable yeah and I think that's something that's very hard about being an actor mm -hmm. I think because as an actor you I suppose you even if it's not actually happening even if you're not actually getting called into auditions at 24 four hours notice and having to self-tape at three hours notice and learn four scenes and all that stuff there's always the risk of it so you have this constant yeah. The constant what if. what if. Yeah, so you commit to saying to a sibling, okay, I'll have mum for two days this week. Yeah. But what if something happens, yeah. you know, and 
what's for you won't go by you is the only sanity, I think. Yeah, it's a great mantra. It's, I, I believe in I it. I believe in it too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's lots of people listening who don't believe in it and think it's a lot of poppycock and say, listen, there's been a few things that were for me that went by me. <laughs> but otherwise you'd go mad. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Um, your first job of casting your own with Ken, was that Sweet 16? No. So it was A Fond Kiss. So with Sweet 16, I was not involved at all, other than that Gillian Berry, who employed me to work in casting, had, who's a film producer, she's Outlaw King, and um, we've done lots of jobs together, but most recently Outlaw King, Gillian Berry owns Sigma Films, and she had set up the casting company Big Fish, as it was known then, because she had realised, having cast My Name is Joe, just as a really bright, kind of, like super driven incredibly organised and dynamic woman Ken had hired her to cast My Name is Joe. she was a production manager at the time I think I'm getting that right and she realised no one was doing it really in Scotland Morag was doing commercials but mm-hmm. really no one was kind of particular there was no sort of a drama casting director uh, uh, so she set up Big Fish she hired um, a casting well she hired a director and actually Victoria Beattie who's still a casting director she hired Victoria in to set everything up and they hired me so when Sweet 16 came around Gillian wasn't able to do it because she was by this point a producer but she, we did a few things, I set up a few bits and bobs and meetings and stuff but, um, but really it was nothing to do with me but Ken had asked Gillian to cast A Fond Kiss and she said no because I am producing full time and I've got jobs on the slate. However, I want to introduce you to this person called Callie Crawford, and she I think she can do a good job for you. I don't know <laughs> why she did it, what she was thinking. Jillian is one of these people that believes you learn by throwing you in the deep mm-hmm. end of the pool. I think she's right, and I do find that with with my team it's mm-hmm. you know different points in their careers yeah. you know a little bit of a shove off the diving board um, not in a manipulative way just realise sometimes yeah. I've just gone I need to go and do this and they've been like oh okay and they just make it up and it works and it's fine you know? yeah. so she basically threw me at Ken and he decided to hire me for some reason and I haven't looked back yeah he obviously saw something as did she and that's why that's why you're that's why you're where you are, Callie. Breakdowns for females when you get sent them right. through. What is the most common one for a female? Is it attractive? Is it sexy? Is it da 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 da? I think it's definitely attractive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's so hard. It's so hard. Um, as a female, how so taking the cast and director head off. So just as a female, how does that make you feel when you see that that breakdown attractive? Do you know I find it hard as a casting director, and I find it hard as a cinema goer, television watcher, theatre enthusiast, short film watching um, type of person because I think it's unbelievably limiting Mm -hmm. and I think that when I watch films and I think about men and women Mm -hmm. 
And there was at one point in a job that I was working on when a producer came in, a new producer came in, and everyone had to be Hollyoaks hot. And I mean, I was like, I was banging my head on the wall on the table off Danny, who works with me every single day. We couldn't bear it, we couldn't stand it because it was at the expense of everything else. Mm -hmm. The person's suitability for the part, the person's ability to perform, um, the range, could they emote or not, you know, because not every role needs like a huge emotional yeah. range, but you know, you might need like brilliant timing and, mm -hmm. you know, an energy or whatever it is that you're looking for. Everything was at the expense of how attractive they were, which I think is bonkers because A, it's utterly subjective. We mm -hmm. all find lots of different things hugely attractive and also when an actor really gets to inhabit a role you fall in love with them for a million yeah. reasons so true. and also not only hot people have sex that no. drives me bananas it drives me bananas it's like we do sometimes have these conversations when people will say yeah i don't think i want to point a camera at that sexual relationship and i'm just like what are you talking about like you don't even know what chemistry they might have or mm -hmm. you know so i find it incredibly frustrating and incredibly limited limiting when people talk about that i think it's i think it's offensive for women at a level that I almost don't even allow myself to get that riled by anymore because I just try and find other ways to mm -hmm. get around that. Yeah. I do. I just try and... I just ignore it. Yeah. I just try and ignore it and bring the best person and to... Uh-huh. Or the best people or a range of people, you know. Yeah. Because there will be brilliant actors who also are considered more conventionally attractive. Mm -hmm. But I think... When you think about films from the 60s and the 70s and there was these brilliant leads, these lead actors who are not super conventional looking. Mm -hmm. I mean, actually, Meryl Streep, I think, is a, is, a, is a beautiful woman. Me too. But do I think that because I see beauty everywhere or do I think that because actually she's beautiful? I'm not sure. And she's sublimely talented. She's sublimely talented, but I feel like... She auditioned for King Kong and got told she wasn't pretty enough. Right, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so there we are. It's like, I find her very beautiful, but obviously there are other people who didn't put her in that category. She was a leading female, is a leading female. Gina Hackman, there are a lot of people, you know, Al Pacino is so beautiful when he's young, but at the same time it's him, these other brilliant actors mm -hmm. coming up and playing leads. And I... Something I loved about the Joker, maybe I am talking out my bahookie here, but something I loved about the Joker is that it, to me, it harked back. This is the Joaquin Phoenix. Mm -hmm. it, it, it harked back to a time of cinema where it wasn't all about the big explosions and it wasn't mm -hmm. all about. I mean, those things have been there. Bond's been around yeah. for a million years, but um, it was really about performance, about production design, about lighting, about location about costume, about makeup, it was about all those different disciplines, all those people who, who you know, come to work every day to make a production. Um, it was about all of those things being showcased to their best and about storytelling. And I feel like this whole obsession with shininess mm -hmm. and good looks, whatever your definition of that is, yeah. I just think it's so short-sighted. Yeah. So in a way, I don't get offended because I'm a woman. I feel like I do get offended because I want to find the best person for the yeah. part. Yeah. 
Did any of that make sense? Loads of it made loads of sense. And I was also going to ask, does a lot of it come down so, like, attractive, especially for women? So I'm thinking mainly, well, actually, that's not fair because obviously guys nowadays in particular, you know, are they buff? Have they been to the gym? Have they got a six-pack? There seems to be a real push for that. That drives me mad. Which is like... But but it's actually not the push for it. It's the fact that it's all going in that direction. It's the fact that all the boys are gym bunnies. That, you know, like, I don't want to see everybody looking the same. Same, uh uh-huh. Yeah, and for women, it's the... Attractive, thin, sexy, yeah. thin, yeah. Um, thin, 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 thin. As a not thin person, um, I mean these boobs are there. They are not going anywhere. <laughs> uh, <laughs> can't do much about that. I was about to like talk about your boobs, and then I thought, no, actually, I'm just not going to do that. Please do. I, I don't about mind. to like give you a compliment. Thanks. And then I, thought, well, I mean, I'm just going down that road now. <laughs> Majestic is what I was going to say. Oh my god, none of my business. I'm putting that in my CV. Callie Crawford says my tits are majestic. (laughs) And I'm like, your tits are none of my business. That's what I think. Consent, guys. No, it just, there is that thing, and I think, as um, I know that there is a damage being done in the industry to people of my age, people younger, people older. Um, I think I worry about it so much for our younger actors that that's what they think male and female that they think that they have to be at the gym six days a week or they're not going to get a job do you see this stuff affecting people that you're working with or Mm -hmm. crossing paths with yeah and I think because I do teach younger because I teach teenagers in particular their Instagram obsession filters yeah and just like what people actually look like and then you get you know I'm really lucky I teach a lot of um, fabulous young females who I'm like making sure that they believe in themselves but um, even then I can see they doubt it when I say to them it doesn't matter what you look like like if you're a good actor the work will come it might not come when you think it's going to come or it might not come the way you think it's going to come and it might will. not always be the role that you think you want absolutely and that's difficult um, but it will come I believe, say that as well for myself. Yeah. But, you know, it will come. Um, I can see them kind of looking around at what they see on screen in particular because a lot of them don't go to the theatre. Um, and that just really makes me sad. I don't really know why I said that, but I just like, yeah. Yeah, well, you were... To, I mean, I think we're talking about the influence that what yes. is translated <clears throat> on screen yeah. has on young people. And I think about it a lot because now, as a mother, I think about it a lot. I... I Listen, I went to a girls' school. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was, I mean, body dysmorphia, eating disorders of varying magnitude were absolutely rife. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if it's something about going through those life stages. Mm. But I really do think when I see advertising and I see Instagram now, I see, and it's just such utter bollocks. And I really worry about what will Teddy growing, grow up, what will be the thing that she worries yeah. about? Because I think for me, it was definitely a sort of, um, it was the rise of the supermodels. It was, you know, there was the big names. It was Chrissy Turlington, Naomi Campbell, all these people. Heroin um, chic. Heroin chic. We yeah. grew up mm-hmm. at the height of heroin chic. Yeah. And you know, having looked at that, it's undoubtedly had a huge effect on me as a young woman yeah. and as a woman in her 20s. And if I could go back and tell my 20-year-old self 
my, my 20s self, so 20 to 29, I yeah. would say. In fact, probably about 17 to 29, if I could go back and tell myself how much time I was wasting worrying about what I looked like, mm-hmm. and if I could add that time on to the end of my life, I'd probably get another 10 years. Yeah. You know, it was such a waste of time and energy. Yeah. And I do often think that now there are really positive changes happening. There are different people who are getting modelling contracts and yeah. getting advertising contracts yep. and, and are getting leads. And, and, you know, it's slowly changing, but I'd say we've got another decade. I think so too. The other <coughs> thing is, because I'm always about um, how women are portrayed in their ages as well. So the older cast and breakdowns that you get, do you get many for a start? Women above 15, 60? Do you get many of them? Uh, a lot of stories with leads. A lot of leads are teens, 20s, 30s, 40s, becoming a bit more fashionable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think... Yay! <laughs> and also, then I've been lucky to do things like 45 Years, which was, a, you know, we, we had Tom Courtney and... And Charlotte Rampling in the leads, who were both either over or kissing 70. Yeah. So that was really good. And in fact, we didn't have that many. You know, Dolly Wells was in the, the, the film and Sam Alexander. There was a few people mm-hmm. who were who in the film who were younger. But it was really centred around that kind of, the couple mm-hmm. and then their friends who were 60s, 70s. Yeah. So I think I have had a few good opportunities to cast older actors. Great. Yeah. Yeah, it's just something that I'm always aware of. Although I do think there is a change, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we're just having these conversations anyway. Um, but things like Grace and Frankie, I think, yeah. have made a yeah. big kind of people want to watch that. Yeah, they are interested in it, and I'm really um, I'm interested to see The Good Liar when it comes out with yes. Helen Mirren and Ian McKellen. Cause yes, I'm like two people. I, mean, I don't know. Helen Mirren must be seventy. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, and McKellen's eighty. Yeah, I'd so, say so. You know, fabulous Julie's. And I think, um, like, one of my friends just now is producing a feature film, which is about a woman going through the menopause, but done in a kind of genre fashion. Oh, so she's probably, you know, somewhere in her. F- I mean, it would depend on the actor who they cast, but forties. Oh, that's brilliant. I guess some people because that's a whole... and some people go through about fifty-three. So you. It's a range that they'll look at, I guess. But, yeah, it's really interesting to see that story told as well. That is really interesting because it's definitely something that gets shied away from. But I wonder if it gets shied away from because it doesn't find an audience. Yeah. Or is that an excuse? I think that might be an excuse. I know I would go and watch that. Yeah. I'd definitely go and watch that. I wonder I wonder how many men would. Hmm. Well, I would, I'm also interested to know, actually how many women and men go to the cinema and also are Netflix, Amazon, no, like, you know, iPlayer subscribers, how many, what the ratio is, I'd be really fascinated to know because I know that I am, on Netflix, for example, I'm watching mainly things that have got women in the lead. Mm, there's a lot. There's, and there's a lot to choose from. And there's which is, is great. Yeah. Which is, so I'm like, I'm not really that bothered because I've seen all the stories about you men. I have, this, I have this conversation with my white male actor husband <laughs> all the time. Like, well, we've seen all those stories, we've heard yeah. all those tales. Seen it a million you, times. It's now time for you to be the husband yeah. or the partner yeah. instead of it being the wife. You yeah. know? 
Yeah. The girlfriend. Can't wait for that. Yeah. Let's make it happen. So it's exciting. It's happening. I'm just going to ask you a couple of things. So yes. just as like your casting director head, so because I know that we have a really wide age range of listeners. Okay. Um, so for those that are maybe starting off in their career and they're young, or those that are coming back to it. Yes. Uh, pointers of things not to do and things to do in a casting situation. Know your lines. <laughs> That's one that comes up all the time. And it comes up with people of all sorts of ages yeah. because, of course, the industry constantly evolves. So there's yeah. just this self-taping thing that has become hot to trot in the last couple yeah. of years, particularly. I mean, it's been going on for a lot longer, but, you know, particularly mm-hmm. in the last couple of years, it is generally the first session. Now, I think it's a really good thing because I think that it allows us to see far more people than we would where we sitting in a room with those people. Okay. So you tend to rely on folk that you have an experience of in one way or the other because you have a relationship with an agent whose taste you really trust because you've seen them in a programme mm-hmm. or on, on a stage because uh, you know them already and you've cast them before or auditioned yeah. them before. So rather than limiting it to that pool, we are like, oh, that person, we're taking punts. That's what I would say. And those punts are paying off so often mm-hmm. that we are finding people that we might not have had a chance to, to meet with. So I think that can make it very challenging for actors to learn their lines um, because things are moving quite quickly because mm-hmm. of the ease that we can get things to ourselves electronically, answer yeah. producers by text, WhatsApp, you know, um, email, instant It's Communication becomes instant. And it means that... People expect tapes instantly and they expect us to turn around tapes. It drives me mad. But whenever you have the opportunity, learn your lines for a meeting or a self-tape as possibly as well as you can do. Basically be off book yeah. is what I really mean. Um, notwithstanding special circumstances, be off book because it will allow you to be so much freer and we will be able to give you notes and you won't be worrying about changing the lines with a new note because you'll know the lines and it'll be easy to change them. So there's that. I think research who you're meeting in the room. Yeah, so talking about social media, which we were earlier, um, there's such a push for actors to have a really big Instagram follow. I don't care. Great, good. Fabulous there, Kelly. Does he care? Actor. Yes, that's no. what I think. If somebody reaches out to you on Instagram, how do you feel about that? This kills me um, that people think that. And they do, though. I don't want to work with those people that are basing their casting decisions on that. You know what? And maybe that's just me. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's a luxury that I have. Or yeah. maybe it's a naivety that I have. Um, maybe I'm a dinosaur. I don't know. No, I don't think so. But I don't tolerate that conversation. Okay. And it has only come up once or twice. Oh, that's good. But I really mean once or twice. Yeah. And we can do five, six more projects a year or be working across maybe between development and actual casting. It doesn't come up. It doesn't come up. Great. But I bet it does at certain, in certain sides of the industry or mm-hmm. different levels of the industry, you know. Um, don't care. Excellent. Callan doesn't care, guys. Um, how do you feel about actors reaching out to you? Like, uh, I prefer not. Um, no, don't is what I really mean to say. Okay. Because I think 
do you know what it's difficult because there are some actors who I know quite well and I don't mean their friends and of course they Instagram me I don't mean that like what I mean is there are some people who I know very well but I think it becomes very hard to manage mm-hmm. my channels of communication yeah because I have producers now who will not get a response to a phone call so they'll text me then they'll not get the response to the text message so they'll whatsapp me because then they can see if I've read it or mm-hmm. not I'm all the while they don't so cc you know cc me in a big email chain mm-hmm. So it just becomes unmanageable. Too much. Overstimulating, exhausting, yeah. and stressful. But what I would say is that, you know, we have email addresses, they're on our websites, all the casting directors, they're listed in contacts, all these things. And you can send a message, you know, sort of saying it. I think it's it's a funny thing, but it's it's like it's just an etiquette thing, I think, mm-hmm. really. When you are when you know a casting director or a producer or a director really, really well. I think to send them a little message saying, hey, I've sent you an email. That you know yourself. You can yeah. judge that personally. You don't yeah. need me to ban it or, or sanction it. So that's a personal relationship thing that you only the person involved knows the answer to. But I think largely if you, if you are connected to someone on social media but you don't feel you know them super well, I, w- I just wouldn't go yeah. there. I would just keep it through professional. Yeah, lines. neither would I. Just think it's better. And I think, like, I think sending... Emails and stuff, <coughs> saying I really enjoy your work, that's yeah. okay, I guess. We'd li- like to get a chance to get in the room with you. What does, how does that? Neither would I like to reach out to you via social media yeah. to say, have you done that self-tape yet, Eileen? Yeah. Or I'm going to say, I might say, oh, by the way, the office is getting in touch about this, mm-hmm. look out. But it would be in the thread of a conversation. It wouldn't really be yeah. one in Zermed. Yeah, no, but sorry, what I mean is, um, like, so if somebody sent an email to Callan Crawford yeah. Casting and just be like, hi, I really enjoy your work, new to the industry, just wanted to reach out and say yeah. hi. Yeah, I think that's totally fine. And I just mean to say that any part of these conversations work, these things work both ways. Yes. I think that neither should casting directly. Yes, oh, God, yeah, uh-huh, sorry, yeah, get So, you. like, I, d- I wouldn't want to you know, cross that line mm-hmm. with a lot of actors, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, some of my friends who are actors that we made offers to, I almost don't even... I, I did send a text recently to a director who's also an actor. I've worked with him as a director, but I was offering my role as an actor. Right. And I did send him a text message to say, look, it would be weird not to say this is about to come through. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And he was like, oh, amazing, brilliant, I'll look out for it. Is it funny or whatever? And I said, yeah, it's cool. Like, you know, we had a couple of exchanges... And that was it. And, and then we it. left it and he took it and I did a deal with his agent and we'd no more need, yeah. need to have no more contact. Exactly. But I do think it works both ways. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't like to reach out to an actor and, uh, unless it was an emergency, like, oh my God, Elaine, something's happened. We need you to put this down. Yeah. I'm trying to get to you as quickly as possible. Yeah. Perfect. These are all vital knowledge nuggets. I don't feel like any of them are new, though. No, they're not, but people forget. No. Do they? Right, okay. I just think okay, I fine. Also... I just thought I was being boring. No, you're not being boring. I think sometimes, especially maybe if you're new or you haven't had an audition in a while, the anxiety levels right, amp up and you kind of forget stuff. And I think it's just always good to be reminded of the core things that you know. Learn your lines. Don't be a dick, guys. Know your stuff. Be polite and do your research. Yeah. And, it's and just how we reach out to each other as well. Because I think... Our younger generation are so used to social media yeah. that the I don't I don't maybe I'm being really unfair on you guys. I love that I always look at the mic as if they're there. I know. Yeah, hi, we're staring at the mic. Um, and maybe I'm being really unfair on them, but I do think that 
they have such instantaneous re- um, replies to things that yeah. they just assume that, oh, I'll just send a message on whatever and yeah. they'll get back to me. And I think there are some barriers that it's really nice to have broken down, mm-hmm. you know, and in fact, things like persistent, 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 persistent and nasty podcasts do that actually because it feels like you're, you've got these people in your head, yeah. in your ears. It feels like they're in a living room having a conversation. We're in a little boardroom, but it feels like you know you're in a living room, and that's that, that stuff is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that um, those barriers are good to break down. Yeah. But then I just think there's good good old fashioned manners. Yeah, exactly. Etiquette's all about the etiquette. I'm going to ask you one last question. Yeah. What does being persistent and nasty mean to you? I think I am quite persistent. I think so too. I try and do it with a modicum of charm. Yeah. Well, the nasty doesn't need to be horrible. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. I know. I'm separating them. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Yep. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, to me, persistent is slowly, slowly catchy monkey. Yes. I think nasty. Funny, I don't think of nasty as a bad word anymore. Yes, yes. Great. I think of it as a modern kind of like. Oh, modern, I love it. Cool, yes. edgy, unafraid. Brilliant. That's what I think of. Oh, amazing, unafraid. Oh, that's going in a yeah. line, Kelly, and I love it. Nasty, yeah. it's kind nasty, of unafraid. I'm unafraid. <gasps> yes. Alan Crawford, thank you so much. Thanks, Stella. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's all an excuse to gaze into your eyes. And your fluffy mic. And my fluffy mic, I know. Thank you so much. And guys, until next time, stay nasty.